a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm your host, Greg Scordis, here in studio today with Ari Bruning from Envision Utah. A lot of us have been watching this inland port. Sort of interesting. A, do we need it? Uh, B, is it is it something that's coming down the tracks whether we want it or not? And C, is it good for our uh, community? And so it's been interesting, Ari, that uh, the Inland Port Authority um, recently commissioned a study with Inland Port Authority and with Envision Utah, who you represent. I understand you're the president and COO of Envision Utah, correct? That's right. And what is Envision Utah for our listeners? We are a nonprofit. We're a 501c3, and we facilitate conversations about growth and how to make sure we have a high quality of life even as we grow. Are you uh, like Salt Lake, Utah, sort of geographically based? Uh, Envision Utah. So we, we look at this entire state. So what was your commission? I mean, what was your role in this when you, so, when you, when you did this study? Yeah, so the Inland Port Authority asked us to uh, do some outreach with the public to understand what their concerns are, what they would like to see happen, um, so that as they put together their strategic plan, they can make sure that they're achieving the things that Utahns want to see happen. And and just for for those of us that are not a hundred percent up to speed on it, what what is the Inland Port? What's that's the in, what's the vision there? What's it going to be? And that actually is kind of the million-dollar question. That there currently there is no plan in place for what the uh, inland port authority will do or be. Um, I think a lot of people are under the misunderstanding that there's a plan to go build something. Um, the inland port authority doesn't own any land. They're not a developer. Um, they have been given some tools with some uh, what's known as tax increment financing, so that they can. Uh, incentivize certain kinds of development in the northwest portion of Salt Lake County. Now, that that area of Salt Lake County has been planned by uh, Salt Lake City, West Valley City, Magna, and so on as an industrial area. So think warehousing, distribution, clean manufacturing. Um, and so uh, development is already happening there. And the Inland Port Authority was... Development by the, the airport expanding, uh, the the prison being built out there, other sort of industrial uh, enterprises that are setting up, right? Right. Amazon's building a new warehousing facility. Stadler Rail's building a facility where they build rail cars. Um, it's already happening. And so the idea between behind the Inland Port Authority was let, let's have an authority in place to make sure that the outcomes are the outcomes we want from growth in that area. We're joined this afternoon by Ari Bruning, the president and COO of Envision Utah. When I think of the inland port, and you've already cured me on a lot of this, Ari. I think of a place where there's a tremendous, for example, rail yard, where we're going to have to build more more highways to come through and be able to get trucks in and out of that. Um, uh, maybe even build more tracks where we can set up this big inland port. I mean, is that is that the plan? Well, 
to be clear, there's already a rail yard. The Union Pacific owns a rail yard in this area where they're moving freight from trucks to trains and trains to trucks and so on. And and that will probably continue to expand. But there's at this point, there's no plan to build any additional rail yard. It's It's all private property. Landowners have certain rights under zoning to build things, and that's the current situation. So no no expanded or, or sort of increased rail yard. What about highway? How are we going to get trucks in and out of there? Yeah, there's a lot of planning that has been done and needs to be done because um, given given the growth that we have, there will be additional development in this area, and that will cause additional trucks and trains to, uh, to need to carry freight through the area. So I'm looking at... Um, just sort of the head notes of the study, and it says, and this is from from you folks at Envision Utah, we heard from a broad spectrum of stakeholders from around the state, met with hundreds of members of the public, and heard from over 3,000 Utahns in an online survey. Is that something that you were commissioned to do? I mean, is that what is that what your mission was in this respect? That's exactly what our mission was. We wanted to know from Utahns what, what their concerns are, what their hopes are, um, and we uh, you know, we had an online survey. We held meetings in public uh, with uh, pe- people who showed up in person and so on um, and heard quite a bit from folks. Um, would you say overall that what you heard was positive or people apprehensive or, or people generally negative? Uh, I think people are worried. Yeah. Um, that's that's how I feel, and I, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate that honesty. Worried yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, worried about, well, there's a lot of misunderstanding there. Um, given that there are no concrete plans at this point, people are worried about what they might view as worst-case scenarios. Um, and, I mean, the top things we heard were worries about air quality, traffic, um, also about wetlands and habitat, since we're near the Great Salt Lake in this area, um, and also a lot of concern about uh, the ongoing political conflicts in this area. There's, uh, there's still a lawsuit uh, ongoing between the the state and Salt Lake City. So I want to talk to you about those four things because I'm looking at some of the some of the study here. Air quality, uh, primarily as it relates to increased truck and rail traffic. What did you find about that? Uh, well, that was the number one issue we heard. People are worried about air quality. Um, anyone who lives here, we're already in trouble here right, on right. the Wasatch Front. I mean, aren't we? Right. Yeah, yes, we are. I mean, it's that we're actually uh, producing less pollution each year than the year before, which is the good news. The bad news is we're not where we want to be. Um, and so we heard a lot of people talking about, you know, more trucks. Does that mean more emissions? More trains? Does that mean more emissions? Um, and But doesn't it? Uh, yes. Yes, it does. Um, on the other hand, there are uh, newer technologies that emit a whole lot less pollution. Um, for example, a diesel truck uh, produced, I think, after, I think, 2008 is the year, produces something like two-thirds less pollution. Um, but we still have a lot of those older trucks on the road. Uh, similarly with trains, a lot of the trains that are running on the rail have older technology that's polluting more. Um, so one thing to think about as we go forward with planning is, is there something we can do to uh, accelerate the shift in technology to cleaner uh, cleaner equipment? And uh, we may have to come back after the break to fi- let you finish answering this, but I'm also aware that that area is pretty close to the Great Salt Lake, and there are some very beautiful wetlands out there. Are we disrupting that? Um, So it is near the Great Salt Lake. Salt Lake City actually spent a long time planning this area and working with the Audubon Society and others, and they identified areas that should not be developed, and that's currently uh, uh, contained in their plan, and it's, it's off limits at this point. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be very sensitive in what happens with the remainder of the land. 
So so the we would just stay away from certain wetland area and not even not even encroach on that. Right. right. And you identified what those areas are? Uh, well Salt Lake City has identified them. Um, um interesting conversation with Ari Bruning from uh Envision Utah. And Ari, since you came into the studio and not many of our guests do I'm going to ask if you can stay for another segment, and because uh, I, I do have a couple more questions I want to go over with you. Would that be all right? That would be great. All right. We're going to take a break here. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thank you for joining us. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome back. I'm Greg Scorish, your host for Inside Sources. I'm joined this afternoon with Ari Bruning of uh, Envision Utah. And it's too bad we can't just leave the mics on during the break, Ari, because I enjoy our conversations while we're while we're between. But just to just to circle back just a little bit, because I'm not I haven't been familiar until today with Envision Utah. I thought after reading the study that it was a group that that hooked up with the uh, inland Port Authority, and were commissioned to do a study on the proposal of this inland port. But Envision Utah has been around for a little while, correct? Yeah, we've been around for 22 years, and and our our mission is to help Utahns think about growth so that we can keep Utah a great place to live in the future. Um, so we've you know we've done statewide growth visions, we've done Wasatch Front growth visions, smaller areas, and so on. So who are your clients typically? Who who hires you? Yeah, uh, well, we get a lot of funding from foundations and corporations who just give us donations to do things. Um, from time to time, we'll do a a project on contract, like this inland port project. Um, but we we view three million Utahns as our clients. Good for you. I mean, it sounds like a a, a great group. And so you were commissioned what several months ago uh, to get involved in the inland port and to take a look at what we're doing and if this is a viable project and it's something we should proceed with or something that uh, we should proceed with caution or what what did you assume that your role was in this uh, well the authority had been created the inland port authority and they were uh, tasked with coming up with a, a vision and a strategy for what they should do in this area of northwest Salt Lake county and they've they've now been given the mission of also thinking about potential areas in rural utah um and so they asked us to reach out to uh, Utahns and ask them, uh, what do you want to see happen in this area? What are, what are you worried about? And so that they can make sure that uh, their strategic plan matches what Utahns want. So to be clear, uh, the Inland Port Authority is a group set up to set this up, to, to decide what we're going to do, to see what the Inland Port's going to be. I keep thinking there's an inland port and we're sort of developing it but we're we're a couple steps away from that correct that's that's right there's there's an area in northwest Salt Lake County that is zoned and ready for industrial development there will be a lot of freight moving in and out of that area and the the inland port authority's primary role they they don't have the zoning authority that's that's the city's their primary role here is they they've been given stewardship over the increased tax revenue that comes from that development and so the, they're thinking through how they can spend that revenue in ways to incentivize the right kinds of outcomes. So, for for example, um, it's common practice in Utah to help uh, pay for the infrastructure that goes with development. Um, so that could be an option. Um, maybe that money could be tied to certain criteria. Um, the, the developer has to do certain things for wildlife or for air quality or so on in order to uh, receive that money. 
And, and what would the ultimate inland port look like? I mean, what what would how would it be different when we're driving out to Tooele? What would we see that we don't see today? Um, I think a lot of that remains to be written. Uh, but uh, it is private land, and the landowners do have uh, certain rights under the existing zoning. To, you know, they could they can build warehouses today, for example. So um, the likelihood is we'll see continued development of warehouses distribution, um, ho- hopefully a lot of clean manufacturing, um, get those good jobs out there. So it's, it's as though um, we're likely to see that growth. It's probably coming. Let's find out a way to do it right. Let's find out a way to make sure that we're doing it safely, uh, that we're conscious of some of the environmental concerns and that type of thing. Did you feel like that was part of what Envision Utah's really role in this was? Exactly. And that's that's kind of been our approach to the state all along. Is we're we're growing. We're going to grow. Uh, so let's let's do it right. Let's how we grow matters. We talked um, at the last break, and we're joined this afternoon by Ari Bruning from Envision Utah. Before the last break, Ari, you were talking about the potential impact to the wetlands, and you talked about how we kind of – there were certain areas that had been set aside as wetlands. I know there, there are a lot of people that are very protective of the, the marshes and the beautiful the, – I mean, I love just going out to some of these wetland preserves up at Bear River or Salt Lake or Farmington Bay and, and just looking at this incredible habitat. You gave me some comfort in knowing that a lot of that area has already been set aside and protected. Right, exactly. And Salt Lake City spent a number of years doing that planning – Working with the the Audubon Society has has some lands out there, and so they did a lot of work with the Audubon Society, and actually ended up entering into an agreement with uh, some of the landowners there, where the landowners received the right to develop on certain parts of their land at the same time setting aside other parts. And the landowners that we're talking about are the rail yards, right? Typically, um, well, Union Pacific don't they own a tremendous amount of land out there? The Union Pacific has a rail yard south of I eighty, north of I eighty. There are other landowners who own thousands of acres, just individuals. Yeah, and will, and will they be incorporated into this? Will they likely sell their property, or is the inland port, inland port ultimately going to be a conglomerate of private landowners that have sort of come to a vision of how to manage their land? Yeah. So, the, or do we know? There, a lot of them are already moving forward to develop their land. Um, so it's it's going to be developed by uh, private developers. So if they're doing that already, what what authority does the authority have <laughs> to tell them how to do that? I mean, are, are we going to have some zoning ordinances? Is Salt Lake City Council going to be involved in this? I, mean, I, I know that's your that was your mission to sort of look at this and go, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Where's the teeth? Uh, and that that is exactly the question. So the the city still has the primary zoning jurisdiction here, so they ha- they have a lot of influence. Um, th- what happens actually is largely up to the private sector as well. I mean, what what kinds of buildings are built? What kinds of trucks run on the road? What kinds of trains run on the railways and so on? Those are largely uh, private sector decisions of the businesses that are operating in this area. And so it's going to take the private sector, the cities, the Inland Port Authority, all to get it right. And from the study that you've put out, you indicate that you're heard from over 3,000 Utahns. I'm assuming among those 3,000 were, in fact, the the landowners. Were they cooperative in this investigation or this process, I guess? It wasn't really an investigation, this commission that you had. Yeah, the landowners came to a, a lot of the meetings we held. So early on, we heard about what some of the top issues were. So we we invited a number of stakeholders who knew about those issues, air quality, for example, to 
come meet and think about solutions and things that could be done. And the landowners, a number of them, came to most of those meetings. Um, you talked about um, some of the issues that came up, and one of them that I note from your study was what you've characterized as ongoing political conflicts. And the, the head note here says there is distrust among the public and stakeholders stemming from a perceived lack of transparency from the port authority. What did you find there? Uh, well, we heard a lot from people about uh, uh, concerns they had, first of all, about the legislation that set up the uh, Inland Port Authority and then the uh, Port Authority itself. People people felt like they didn't have a voice and didn't understand what was going on. Um, and so I, I, I hope what we did, I don't know, I, I do know that what we did actually gave people a voice. Um, so... You know what what people said is will be taken into consideration as the port authority uh, thinks about where it's headed from here. And finally, and we're almost out of time. Uh, the last one here dealt with fossil fuels. People concerned about the amount of oil and and coal, I guess, that was going to be transported through there. What kind of concerns did people have, and how did you try to address those? Yeah, there, there's this perception among some that this the whole idea behind the inland port is to have a place to store and transport coal and and other fossil fuels and. As we talked to people in the industry and in the market, we we really didn't see any reason why the market would move that direction. It, it really makes no sense to store or transport coal in northwest Salt Lake County, similarly with oil and so on. But th that is a perception that's out there. Well, Ari, I want to thank you for your time. And I, I want to thank you for coming into the studio personally and sticking around for two segments. It was nice to also know that you're, you're a lawyer, you're law trained, and uh, that it speaks well for you and what you're doing. Envision Utah seems to have a great, a great uh, role in our community, and hopefully you'll continue with that. So thanks again for coming in. Thanks for having me on. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.